you know, on Sunday mornings, we've been looking at different perspectives of, of the whole Christmas thing. And, and what we want to do today is to look at this passage that was read earlier in, in Luke chapter 2. And it's that, that, that picture where the angels came to the shepherds and the shepherds' response. And I just want to take a few minutes looking at that passage. And, and, uh, and if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn there with me. I'll put the scriptures up on the, uh, on the, on the time as, uh, the screens as we go. And I want to start by reading from that passage that was read earlier, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, what I want you to see is here is it's bringing great news, but it's news that he's given to outsiders. I'm sorry, I should have put this up there. I forgot. It's great news for outsiders. And, um, and when we look at this, you know, we've read, many of us have heard these verses numerous times. We've read them. But there's some things here that I want to draw out the significance that maybe you've not seen before. What you have, it's in the context of people understood that in that time, if a king was born, if a prince was born, it would be something that would be announced. You would send out heralds to go announce that, the, you know, that this new king has been born. However, usually that announcement was made in the, in the halls of power. It was made to the, to, the, to the powerful, to the wealthy. And here we have him, the angels coming and announcing, you know, a king has been born, but who did they announce it to? Even as you think of this, think of the context. It's, it's, it's in the, it all happened in this little town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem's just a little bit away from Jerusalem, a little south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city of power in that region. It was the political power. It was spiritual power. The most, uh, politically, the most powerful guy was Herod. And he had a, king, right, a castle that was just, literally, you could see it from Bethlehem. You know, this huge palace. And, and, and spiritually, it was there in Jerusalem, you had the temple. You had all the priests. You had all the scholars and the religious leaders. But the amazing thing is the angel didn't go to those holes of power. He didn't go to Herod. He didn't go to the, the priests. He didn't go to the temple. He went to shepherds, shepherds that were out watching their sheep. Now, again, we may read this, and there's certain things that would have been striking in that time that, that maybe don't strike us as much because there's some things that are, that are culturally a little different. You see, in that time, if, if you were to talk to especially a Jew at that time, their view of of the shepherds was incredibly low. The shocking part wasn't that they didn't go to Herod or they didn't go to the religious leaders. It's that they chose to go to the shepherds. You see, for starters, because of their occupation, it was difficult for them to observe all the regulations of the Mosaic law. You know, they couldn't keep themselves pure, spiritually pure all the time. And and beyond that, they had grown a reputation. So they were generally seen as, as, as dishonest, as thieves. So much so, they were so highly or so lowly thought of that they were excluded as a group from those who were allowed to give testimony in court. Now, imagine this. Here you have the greatest announcement in human history and the people that the culture thought so lowly of that they couldn't testify in a legal matter. God looked at them and said, I want you to be the one that testifies about this great spiritual matter, about the coming of the king. And, and the, the thing is, this, this is an amazing truth. It teaches us something about God, about, about who God pursues, about, about who God wants to have a relationship with. You see, I tell, deal with people all the time. You know, they're like, well, I can't go to church. I don't belong there. I'm not a church type of person. You know, if I walk in, you know, you know the, the top might come down. And, and I, I hear people say all that all the time. 
And you have a lot of people that feel like, well, I don't belong. I'm not a church type of person. And what's amazing here is that when the Christ child was born, God went to the people that the culture said they don't belong in church. They don't, you know, they, they're an outcast. And so, and he includes them. And it tells us not only something of what he did, it tells us of what he does now. It tells us of who God wants a relationship with. It tells us of who God's pursuing. It says if you're here today and if you think, well, you know, God doesn't want me. If, if you guys knew who I was, you know, I had to clean up. I had to look good to, to, to put on the right show to, to make myself presentable to church. I want you to realize that what this is saying is that God is pursuing. God was pursuing the shepherds then. He's pursued. He always pursues the outcasts. In fact, that's a huge part of understanding the whole, the whole point. Now here they are in the shep- in the, you know, taking care of the sheep. It's dark and suddenly this angel comes and he and appears and it's not only this great angel but we're told that there was a glory of the Lord. It's the glory of God shone about them and they were terrified and I can understand that. If I were out camping out in the field with some friends and next thing you know they've got this angel and this glory that shines, I'd be scared to death too. And so they're terrified and the angel tells them, verse 10, fear not for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what is that good news? Verse 11, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David uh, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. We'll find a baby wrapped up in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And he gives them good news, but I want you to see it's good news for everybody, but specifically for the needy. Now you say, where do you see that? Well, let me show you this. Look what he says. What does he say? It's good news. It's for unto you a Savior is born. A Savior is born. That's the first start of it. I want you to realize, who needs a Savior? We all do, if we're willing to admit it. See, this is only good news for anyone who is willing to admit, I need a Savior. The only people through whom this is good news is someone that says, I admit that I'm lost. I admit that I, that I need someone to intervene for me. You know, see, it's, it's actually an against religion. A religion is a lot of, okay, you've got to try harder. You've got to be good. You've got to be, you know, got to do, do, do. And if you're good enough, then, you know, you try to be good enough. And the fact of the matter is, is that Christ's coming tells us, no, it's for people that aren't good enough. It's for people that are willing to admit that I'm lost. I need a Savior. My only hope is for God to come and intervene for me. It's, it's good hope for those that, that are lost, that are needy. And it's the Savior that's been born. And it's a Savior, but not only does it, what kind of Savior? Specifically, a Savior that comes to save us from our greatest need. We might have a lot of things that we hope for, even back then they did. Well, our greatest need is we need to be saved from our sins. It's what the, you know, the angel told Joseph and Matthew. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people for his sins. That's the Savior that was sent. And he's not only a Savior, he's Christ. He's a, you know, he's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, we often hear, you know, Jesus Christ, and we almost think, well, is that his last name? It's like, I'm Mike Ribka. Is that Jesus Christ? No, it's not his last name. It's a title. It's actually the Greek word for the word Messiah, the Greek, uh, the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. He was the, the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the one whom God said would come to be able to, to free people from their sins. And not only was he the Savior, not only was he Christ, but, but it says that he was Christ the Lord. Literally, it's saying that he is God. And here in the Hebrew Bible, you say, where does it say that? Well, in the Hebrew Bible, you see the name, the name for God in the Hebrew Bible is, is a name that we would often say is Yahweh. It's, it's a name that, um, that when the Jews would read it, they wouldn't even pronounce that name. They would always fill in Adonai, the, the, the Hebrew for the word Lord. 
And then sometime later, when you translated the, you know, the Hebrew Bible into the Greek, instead of trying to, to take that name or Yahweh, they actually put in the Greek word kurios, which is Lord. And so we see even in our English Bibles, when you read in the English Bible, you'll see capital L-R-O-D. That's, that tells you that it was the name Yahweh. It was that Hebrew name for the name, name of God. Now, here's what I want you to say. When the angels say that he is the Savior, the Messiah, and that he is Lord... It doesn't say that he is a Lord. It says what? That he was born as one who is Christ the Lord. It's, it's giving him a name. And it's saying that here he was. It's that Jesus Christ was the Lord. He was Yahweh. He was God eternal. Came down in human flesh. It's actually something that is taught throughout the Bible. John chapter 1, give you an example. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was the Word. He's saying this is, he was with God. He was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that has been made. That, that Jesus Christ is God eternal. But on the top of all this, it's teaching all these ideas of of the Savior that was born, that, that was the Messiah, that was a Christ, that is God. But, but then we see in verse 12, For unto you have born this day is a, in the city of David is, is a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so here we've got this great statement, and next we're told what? That he's a baby lying in a manger. How do you have a Savior who's Christ, who's God, who's a baby in a manger. It's an amazing thing that when God came and took on human flesh, he, he, he somehow, in a miraculous way we can't understand, took the form of a baby. The creator of all things chose to come into his creation, and while still God literally took the limitations not of humanity, but of, of a baby. Now, why is it? I think there's a lot of reasons, but why is it that, that the Bible makes a point in the story to tell us not only that he came in man, but to portray him as a baby. When we think of this, I think one of the reasons is this. You see, when often we think of God, we think of God as being very unapproachable. The Jews, even in that time, when they thought of God, God was definitely unapproachable. You'd go to the temple, and, and you could go into the temple, but you couldn't go into the holy place. Only the priest could go in the holy place. And you definitely couldn't go in the holy of holies. You see, because that's only the high priest could go in there, and only one time a year, and you had to have a sacrifice there because it reminded you that God was holy, and, and there needed to be some kind of sacrifice, some kind of death to even approach God. God was unapproachable. God was holy. God was other. So that you see, when the angel came, the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were fearful. But now God comes as a baby. And who's afraid of a baby? Well, maybe if they need to be changed, you can be afraid of a baby. But generally, you know, who's afraid of a baby? You approach a baby. And, you know, you see somebody as a baby, and you go up and say, oh, baby, and you want to go see it, and you want it because they're safe, they're approachable. And this is the amazing thing. God, who's God eternal, came as a Savior, came as Messiah, came as a baby. And what it's telling us is something incredible here is that when we look at the temple, it told us that God was unapproachable, and Jesus Christ has come to say, I have made, come to make God approachable. I have come to have a relationship with you. This is not something to be held at a distance and to have thoughts about God or to be fearful of God. I have come to be the Messiah, to be the Savior, so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can have a relationship with God, that, that, you, that he's approachable in ways that you can't have ever imagined. Not only that, but let's go back to, to the fact that you have the, the shepherds that are the ones that are invited there. Have you, ever, you know, have you ever thought about it practically? 
Here you have Mary that has just given birth and suddenly a bunch of shepherds show up. I mean, I think I've thought about this a little bit. When our, when our oldest one was, Sandy was pregnant, my wife was pregnant with her oldest one. In the middle of the labor, the, you know, one of the doctors came in and said, can some medical students come in and observe for this? Now, she's in the middle of labor and drugged up, and she has no idea what they're like, oh, yeah, you know, just... And next thing you know, there's like 15 people that come in, and they're watching this. And I mean, it's inappropriate. It got really inappropriate, and they started cheering. Yeah, push my... You know, so, no, no, they didn't do that, but... <laughs> But the thing is, it was like, man, inappropriate, but, and afterwards, we're like, well, you know, if, we would have, if they'd asked us when we were, like, had of our right mind, you never would have agreed. Now, that's medical students. What if you had 15 shepherds come in in the middle of that, that were out in the field and hadn't washed in a long time? You know, and that's what happens, is she just gave birth, and suddenly you have all these shepherds, and they're living out in the field with their sheep, and they haven't changed clothes in a long time, and they haven't washed in a long time, and there's no hand sanitizers when they walk in. And so suddenly you say, why in the world is it they came in? It's not only because God is approachable, but it's who he's approachable for. It's the fact that God is approachable, but he's approachable and he's reaching out to those that are outcast and rejected by everyone else. Isn't that wonderful? I want you to realize if you're here today, some of you know Christ, you have that relationship with him, you know that truth. And there may be some that you don't know that truth. You're at a distance, or you feel like, man, you don't really, again, you, you don't belong, and you've you know, you got to look right just to walk in here, and you think if everybody knew who you were, we wouldn't have anything to do with you. I want you to realize that Christmas is a message that's saying that God is pursuing you, and he wants a relationship with you. And there isn't anyone that's beyond his love and compassion. Do you understand that this is a story about not only of Jesus coming into the world, but Jesus coming to pursue you? Now, I'm going to challenge. There's a couple of responses you can get. We see two in this passage, just real briefly. First of all, you see the shepherds. Look at their response. Verse 15. When the angels went away, from, uh, went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, they had been quiet there, and, the, and suddenly, you know, these angels come, and this incredible thing, and, and suddenly the angels disappear, and it's like, did you see? What you, did, was that real? You know, did that really happen? And they're awestruck, and they said, let's go see what happened. Let's go see it. You know what I love? It's these shepherds that, again, that have been living out in the fields with the sheep for weeks, that have been smelly and dirty, that hadn't washed. They didn't feel the need to go home and clean up. They just went as they were. They didn't worry about making themselves presentable. They just win as they were. And my friends, again, that's something that is a, there's a, a spiritual truth here. You know, a lot of times we feel like, man, I've got to clean up. I've got to come to God. I've got to get this cleaned up. No, you don't clean up to come to God. You come to God as you are, and you say, God, clean me up. And if you're here today, again, you don't need to change anything. You know, you don't need to clean up and fix things in your life. All you need to do is to say, God, I agree with you. I'm a needed person. And I come to you because I need a Savior. I need a Messiah. I need God in my life. And God, I come as I am, and I ask you to clean me up. I, I need you to do what only you can do. And, and he will meet you there. And so they go, and they not only run to the, to the Messiah, they want to see him. But then they go to see him. But then it tells us they respond to that. Look what it says in verse 17. When they saw it, they made known to, uh, the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and all that had been told them. Now contrast that with the crowd. 
because we're told also that they went out and they told all these people. Now look at again verse 17. And when they saw it, these are the shepherds, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now here's what I want you to realize. So all these people are hearing about it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that doubted. A lot of people, yeah, right, angels appeared to you. Why would they come to you? There's a lot of people, and we're not even told about that. We're told about people that believed, that wondered, that thought, man, this is incredible. They may have believed, they've been amazed, but you know what? They didn't go see the Christ child. They may have believed, but they didn't act on it. Because it was an amazing story, but it was one that they didn't see personal significance. Again, that's the last challenge that I want to give. So I, 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 I hope that this is a meaningful time. We hear the music. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing emotion behind it. You know, but the people heard the shepherds, and they were amazed, and they didn't, they didn't run to the Christ child. They didn't run to Christ. And I hope that you're not like that, that you're just here and you're amazed and you talk about what a great event that was and you walk out and it didn't mean anything to you. I hope that you're more like the shepherds where you see and you look, okay, it's not only I've heard it, but I want it, I need it. And you recognize that it's not only a story of an incredible story of Jesus coming, but it's a story of him coming to pursue you. It's not only Emmanuel, God in the world, but God seeks to come into your life and have a relationship with you. This God that seemed so inapproachable, that, that seemed that we'd be so distanced. No, he came as a baby so that we could approach him and have a relationship with him. Even as we celebrate this time, one of the parts of the tradition is the, the whole idea of the, uh, the Advent candles. And even part of that, you know, throughout the, this Advent season, we celebrate that, you know, of, of hope and love and joy and peace and and these are all different things that, in a sense, Christ brings. They're, they're effects of his presence. But ultimately, we celebrate the fact that it's not that he brought certain things. It's that Christ came himself. And so we celebrate the fact of the Christ candle. And, and out of all the candles we light, it's, it's the one that was lit through Jesus Christ that we celebrate. But one of the things that we do, even as part of the tradition here, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of common. A lot of churches, they'll, you know, do a candle lighting, and, but there's a meaning in that. And here's what I want to challenge even as we think about this meaning. In a moment, we're going to sing, and we're going to give you a chance to light the candle. And, but I want you to realize that here's the significance. We celebrate that Christ came, that the light of God came, that he's here, and that he brings hope and he brings love and he brings peace and he brings joy he brings all those to all who believe in him we celebrate that great truth and and even as the you know the angels celebrated and the shepherds and we can know that but the question isn't again whether we know it it's whether we've received it and part of the beauty of this tradition of taking this christ candle and and lighting it is to really ask the question of saying okay not only do we celebrate what has been done but in a moment, again, we're going to take a chance and we're going to light different candles from person to person. And it's really saying, have you accepted his light? Have you accepted his presence into your life? Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about, Jesus Christ, our church, or anything else, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. We'd love to hear from you.